1: the Lord working in and through the lives of people, seriously flawed men and women who are in the Bible, who are guided somehow and empowered somehow by the Spirit of God. Now, I think it's important to be honest here. This may be as difficult to understand and imagine as the love of God is. Why? Because I think for us, there's a problem here. You say, what's the problem? The problem is we often fail to ask God for what we can't see.
0: Do you believe that God can do the impossible? Most of us respond, yes. But deep down, do we really believe it? Writing from prison, the Apostle Paul reminds us that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. Our part is to maintain a big vision of God and pour our hearts out to Him in prayer. It also requires that we have spiritual eyes to see, which happens when we ask God for things that our physical eyes can't see. For such things, we come boldly to God and ask Him to help us to believe, trust, and see. This teaching goes far beyond the mere physical realm. So let's join the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 3. Here's Pastor Jim. Many
1: of you, you've experienced those things that are beyond the Word of God. Those things should be avoided. They, they should be avoided. We have to run all of our experience through the lens of the scripture. But that also means we should not be afraid of a legitimate experience of the Holy Spirit as we worship Jesus. As we worship Jesus. otherwise. If we we're afraid of a legitimate experience of the Holy Spirit, this church will be dead. It will be completely dead. So don't come in here expecting, you know, oh, the guy's on the stage, that's their job. Get me in the spirit. <laughs> that's not their job. That's not their job. We want to come in and worship the Lord and experience Christ in his fullness or as full as we can. As individuals and as, church, as a church and as churches, we are able to experience the radical love of Jesus that we learned about in chapter one. Remember, he chose us. The Lord chose us to be his own. He adopted us. Not only did he forgive us our sins, remember we said, You do something against me, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to have you come live with me. God only forgave our sins, but said, you, okay, you sinned against me a billion times. I'm like, way more than that, God. All right, who's counting? I'm not counting anymore. I threw your sins behind my back. I'm not going to think about them anymore. I want you to come live in my house. I want you to become part of my family. And so he saves us. And that's when we realize that that is how we become rooted and grounded in love. Now, verse 18, he's still praying to, about, for the Ephesians about being rooted and grounded in love. And he says, verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend. Some of our versions say grasp with all the saints. So this is not just an individual thing. This is not like well, me and my personal relationship with Jesus. This is not that. He's talking about all Christians. Remember, he has a very God has a very high view of the church that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Some people used to teach that it was because the cross had four different points, and that one was part of each one. To know the love of Christ, he wants us to comprehend, he wants us to grasp it, how wide it is, how le- the length of it, the depth, the height of it, to know the love of Christ which, with, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't have a clue how to teach you what that means. <laughs> Filled with all of the fullness of God? I mean, we would burst. (laughs) I'm assuming he's talking about the maximum capacity we have here on earth to perceive the, the goodness and fullness and love of God. So he prays that the people of God wouldn't just like, oh, I go to church on Sunday. Do you ever hear people say that? You're like, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. He prays that the people of God would be able to understand, would be able to grab hold of the love of Christ, both as individuals and together, through faith, We receive the love of God as Christ, remember, dwells in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit also helps us experience that love, and important to remember that this prayer is for the Ephesian church and all the churches throughout the ages. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk to about this stuff, so I'll just run through a couple thoughts quickly. Christ's love is wide what what does that point to to me it it talks of the availability to so many people it's wide don't don't think like oh that person they could never ever come to faith remember somebody thought that about you it it is wide it is available to all kinds of people and all, all, all different people it's. It says it's long, you know. God didn't love you yesterday, and He's tired of you today. His His law. Lo- his love is long and lasting. He's not. My My mother used to use this word, fickle. You know what that word means? Fickle. She's like, "Oh, you're dating another girl. You're so fickle." <laughs> and I'd say, "I haven't met Pam yet." <laughs> but, but. But he doesn't love like we do. He's not a conditional lover. He says how about his depth, how deep Christ's love is for us. How deep is is God's love for us? Well, he became a man. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. Can you imagine? Think about the depth of such love for sinful people. I mean, if you're a boss at work, you, you, you love it when somebody does everything you tell them to do. You can't wait to have them come in the office and be like, oh, you're great. You're awesome. I love you. You know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? You always do everything right. You're great. Is that the way God, you feel like God would think of us? I don't. He knows, he knows we make mistakes, but, but, but his depth of his love for sinful people transcends our performance. The height, that could be where where he's going to bring his people to the very heights of heaven. And the Lord wants us to look at these things and and he wants us to do our best to grasp his love. And when we're having trouble doing that, what do we do? We look at the cross. And we think that should have been me. That should have been me. Why would he do that? There is no other reasonable explanation than for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the only reasonable explanation. Ultimately, it seems in some sense that verse 19 that telling us that, that such love, while we can, we can have a measure of it in this life, is too great to know this side of eternity. But we should still try to seek that love and and to experience that love. And, And we might not know it in totality, but we can certainly experience some of it since we have the Spirit of God living in us and the Word of God to reveal the love of God to us. If you're new at this thing, This is a lifelong endeavor. This is is constantly growing in the grace and knowledge, but you have to stay connected. Because any of the people that have been at this church a long time, we've seen people who once seemed to walk strong with the Lord. And then the walk began to waver. And then they're gone. Or... Maybe they're still around but not as much or their ministry's not as effective as it used to be. It can happen to any of us. This understanding and experiencing the love of God is both a lifelong endeavor and it is the goal of the Christian life here on earth. Remember we've said many times before, the goal of the Christian life is to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus. And that's what he's talking to us about here. He says that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. That everything God has for you, that everything God has for us as a church, we are able to experience. And once again, in these, in these great Pauline passages, as we call them, did you notice the Trinity? It's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit thing helping us experience the bottomless ocean of God's love. So let let me ask you this question, soul-searching. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. You don't need to answer it out loud. Does it excite you to know that you only know a small part of God's love for you? That, That you have so much more to learn? Because the reality is, like any relationship, love takes time to develop. Those of you who've been married a long time, you, you didn't press some app on your phone for like deep, intimate, long, long-lasting, never-ending, undying love. Boop. Oh, there it is. That didn't happen. No, it, 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 any relationship, anything really of worthwhile takes a long time to develop. And with the Lord, not because of his problem, because of his wisdom of planning, Otherwise, because if we got it all at once, we'd get bored and we go on to something else, what happens to a lot of people because they're not growing. It will take an eternity to experience God's love. Now, let me ask you a serious, honest question. Is that joyful to you? Does that thrill your soul? It gives me goosebumps thinking about it, that I've only here got a small taste of the love of God that he has for me. Th- this is not a shaky ground salvation. This is not, I hope God likes me today. This is how much do you and I want to know and enjoy God in the fullness that he has for us in our lives. We'll, we'll talk more about this when we get to chapter 5. So now the the first half of Ephesians ends. He moves on to the practical section next week in chapter 4. But he says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. God can far exceed anything we ask, anything we think of. According to the power that works in us. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And when is that? That's now. That's now. Verse 21. To him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Those two verses right there, 20 and 21. You want to have a great prayer meeting and every prayer meeting with those verses. If nothing else of any meaning is accomplished something great will be accomplished. I mean, what, a, what a great way to think of this. You know, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. What is he saying? He's saying God is able. God is able to do what? Well, he tells us exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. That's why we are to pour out our hearts to the Lord in prayer. It's also why we need a big vision of him, a big vision of him. And we will not have a big vision of God unless we are meeting him in the pages of the Bible. In the pages of the Bible we we see, we see it in life but we but we see the Lord answering prayers. We see the Lord working in and through the lives of people. Seriously flawed men and women who are in the Bible who are guided somehow and empowered somehow by the spirit of God. Now I think it's important to be honest here. This may be as difficult to understand and imagine as the love of God is. Why? Because I think for us there's a problem here. You say, what's the problem? The problem is we often fail to ask God for what we can't see. That's what Jesus is going to say to Peter this weekend. He's like, man, you're just aware of the things of man. You're not seeing the big picture here. And we often fail to ask God for what we can't see, including the power of the Spirit that we need to live the Christian life. And we should be praying that for ourselves and for one another. The apostle would tell us that by believing verses 20 and 21 is is how we come in to the throne room of grace boldly and in faith. We come in, and we need to start coming in as a church. We're like, well, we want to see God move. Do we really? Do we really? Are we going boldly to the throne and asking God for the impossible? Now you say, oh, yes. Are you ready for the mess that brings? And because then we'll really be praying. Like, God, what do we do with these people? We we don't know what to do. You see, here's the thing. When we believe that God can do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, we will ask for the impossible. But when we don't believe it, that explains the weakness of our prayer. That explains the, the, the smallness, or should I say, the very, very teensy, weensy, weensy little smallness of our prayers. And again, I, I hear all the time, you hear it all the time from people and pastors. I hear, you know, people, people don't want to pray, but, but are we asking for the impossible? Are we bold? I'm not saying arrogant, but some might think we're pretty darn close. But are we asking in boldness for God to do more than we ever dreamed possible? And verse 21 closes with an important point, that God blesses his own people for his glory. That is such an important part of the Bible, and it is almost non-existent in so many circles that we are to live our lives, that we are to pray for the glory of God ultimately seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 speaks, uh, God speaks through Jesus who is, we're told, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Another version says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being or, or is the exact representation of his nature. John 1.14, and the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Without a doubt, glory is brought to the Father through the Son. But here we're told that glory is also to be found in the church. Again, we see God's high view of the church. The old Bible scholars used to say this, the honor of Jesus is in the hands of the church. That's shocking to us, isn't it? Isn't that shocking? Because we're like, we go to church, yeah. Next time somebody says to you, why do you go to church? You should look them right in the eye and say, because the honor of Jesus Christ is in the hands of the church. That's why I go. That, that means the worship and the life of the church, as we talked about last week, testifies to the world and to the heavenly beings, both the good guys and the bad guys, of the glory of Christ. In other words, as a church walks with Christ... As a church worships Christ, we reflect some of his glory, and he says here, to all generations, forever and ever. All of that explains verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees. Because even in prison... He wants this for us. Even in prison, he desires the church, all the churches that he's writing to, even us, because he's still writing to us. We're listening to what he, we're reading what he wrote, that we would bring glory to God. I don't know about you, but I, I long to see that. I long to experience that. I long to see hearts abandoned for the Lord and not themselves. But that's going to require a a seismic, a massive shift in the life of any church. From a man-centered view of life to a Christ-centered view, from people being selfish to being servants, for people just going through the motions, to people truly worshiping, to become a place where the Holy Spirit moves and the love of God is experienced in the people of God, in a place where people bow their knee to King Jesus. You say, I don't don't know about that. Matthew 26, 39 Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane waiting for the guys to come and arrest him. The night before the cross, and it says this. He went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. May that be the heartfelt prayer of us all, not my will but your will. How do we experience the love of Christ more? We walk closely with him, but we have to always walk via the ultimate place, the ultimate center of his love, the cross. There we see Jesus dying on the cross, is experiencing the wrath of God, So all those who turn to God and put their trust in him would not experience the wrath of God, but would experience the grace of God. As we look at Jesus' love for us and we begin to truly experience that love, the way he loves us, we begin to love him more and we desire to serve him more out of the inner man, empowered by the Spirit of God. The cross of Christ reconciles us, we've learned in chapters chapters one through three, to God and to one another. And the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts to help us walk with Jesus, to help us understand Jesus, and to help the church
0: bring glory to our great and wonderful and awesome God. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archived broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now. And please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.